This message was recorded at North 2013, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. So let me do some introductions. I'm Tony, and this is Kay, my wife. We've been married 35 years. I can even remember the wedding day, 8th of July 1978, and I've been completely prompted not to run down the aisle at the end and completely forgot. I was so elated, we jumped down the aisle, didn't we? Uh, that was uh, brilliant. Oh, yeah, it was a cine film. For those of you who don't know what cine film is, you'll see it in museums. <laughs> and we were told off. Uh, but anyway, it normally goes quicker on a cine film than uh, reality. And then, Roger and Cheryl, do you want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. I'm Roger. This is Cheryl. It is. I had in my notes that we were married for 35 years, and in total you've got 105 years' experience here, but they've only been married 36 years. <laughs> The, uh, the title in the uh, kind of program was Marriage Through the Seasons. Uh, being people under authority, Kay and I have changed our bit to Marriage Through the Vows. And then Roger and Cheryl, who are very obedient, want to do things the right way, they're going to do Marriage Through the Seasons. So we're hoping to share this as a foursome and to model something there. So... There will be quick points made, may not be able to flush them out, and hence why I want to finish with Q&A. Let me just read you a, a quote, which you may not be surprised by. We just did some research, latest statistics in the UK, this is December 2012, estimate that 42% of marriages in England and Wales end in divorce. And we, in the, if you read the current media, and you talk to people, they kind of a view that breakdown of marriage, including the high divorce rate that I've referred to, is a kind of modern Western phenomenon. But the reality is that convenience or quicker divorces, multiple marriages, living together, same-sex relationships, and sex with prostitutes was just as rife in the Middle East in the first century AD as it is now. And it actually contains, or Paul refers a lot of teaching and Jesus to those very issues. So if you want to look that up, Matthew 19, the question that the Pharisees asked Jesus is, under what circumstances can you get divorced? Because there was a big discussion between the big two Pharisaical teachers of the day, whether it was divorce for sexual adultery only, or whether it was for any reason, including burning the cooking. Okay? The quickie divorce. Uh, which I do all the time. Absolutely. When John met the Samaritan woman, what was his word of knowledge? You've been married multiple times, and now the man you're living with isn't even your husband. And the issues that Paul has to address in the letters refers to all these. So this is not a modern phenomena. But 
when Jesus was challenged about divorce, his immediate answer was to affirm marriage. So in Matthew 19, he's challenged in public by the Pharisees, under what circumstances can you get divorced? His response was, it is written, a woman should leave her parents and be joined to a man, and they should live together for life before God. And his affirmation was marriage. And this seminar today, we want it, without apology, to be an affirmation of marriage. We believe that marriage is a gift from God. And something that thrilled Kay and I when we moved up to Bedford to Leeds to plant the church, we were blessed with lots of young students, then graduates who stayed on, and then they fell in love, and then they married and they stayed on. And so we've had the opportunity to do scores of marriages. And what we're thrilled about in Leeds, in this modern city, with modern young people, with all the different kinds of ways of thinking in the modern generation, we were sitting down looking at what marriage service, and they wanted something modern, relevant and cultural, but every one of them said, can we use the traditional vows? And I was actually, we were thrilled. So these vows, I take you to have and to hold, for better, for worse for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death is due part. And we were thrilled when they asked us to do that. And that's exactly what we've done. But the question we want to ask, ask or answer is this. Are these words just of sentimental value or is there power and wisdom in them? So I'm going to pass you over to Kay and Kay and I are going to do a double act through the vows. He asked me the other day which vows I wanted and we even miscommunicated on that so I've perhaps ended up with the opposite ones but that's absolutely fine because that's what happens in marriage <laughs> um, and we did uh, sort it out but that's, that's fine. Um, so these vows were written into the Book of Common Prayer in 1552. I did a bit of research online and it seems that prior to that um, a couple would much more informally promise themselves to each other in at any time or in any place and the spoken word was kind of the contract between them so I found that very interesting but also as we looked into the vows just found that very powerful so I'm just going to take a few minutes to look at the first of the vows which is to have and to hold um, I, I must admit I found this one of the hardest to kind of figure out initially and then suddenly the light bulb was switched on in my mind and I thought well, it's obvious what this means um, to have somebody I believe, is for that someone to be yours intimately. And also, this might not be very politically correct in the modern day, but there's a sense of unique ownership between each other. Um, and we personally, we just find that very challenging, very, very special and very powerful. Genesis 2, verse 24 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they become part of each other. Um, there's obviously the physical side of that. Um, but I believe also there's a spiritual connection as the two become one. Um, I know for us, um, some of you may relate to this, some of you may not. But I know if Tony travels a bit, and we often travel together now, but especially when the kids were little, if he was away perhaps for more than a couple of weeks, I just felt like I'd lost my right arm. 
Um, and I could function, and we are, that's the, I think that's the spiritual mystery of this. We are two unique individuals, and we're very, very different. Uh, anybody who knows us knows how different we are. But there were times I think, well, I just feel like I've lost my right arm. And I know, as we've had couples and friends of ours who've maybe lost a partner, which is very, very sad, and um, they, they've had to go through that grieving process of having lost somebody that they've been united to um, and, and again that's just something very powerful um, there's obviously like I said the physical side of this um, 1 Corinthians 6 verses 18 to 20 I, I won't read it just in terms of time but if you do want to look it up it makes it very clear that it's very serious if we sin against his temple which is our body um, and that the sexual relationship is a very special thing between a married couple um, and I just again think this is a very precious thing this is part of the having and the holding um, the holding bit I began to think through that and uh, I think the, that, that some of that for me means that it's showing the spouse affection which may be very different I know um, I don't know whether this applies to all women but I know that I like to be hugged and I'll sometimes say to Tony, can I give you a hug? But he knows that I really mean, will you give me a hug? <laughs> uh, not always, but probably more of the time. Um, but actually, some, sometimes it might not be the physical touch, but it might be an affirmation, just affirming each other. And I know I've been very challenged as we've pre pre prepared this about how much do I affirm somebody with whom I'm one flesh. But just, uh, just on that, I began to think it through, and I thought, actually... Yes, we can affirm each other, and we are a couple in that sense, but it's actually God who gives us a real affirmation. We heard that from uh, Scott earlier today and last night. It's God who gives us that affirmation. So I think we've had to learn not to dump things on each other, that actually we should be taking to God um, and walking with him through that. Um, I, I did become a woman under authority, and I tried to think about the seasons, um, and I know the, there are times maybe where we, we really have to choose to have and to hold. We, we maybe have really uh, got up each other's nose and we find um, that never happens to us, does it? No. <laughs> but we've maybe had that and we have to choose um, to walk in this. You know, it might be through times of illness, um, through times of stress. And I don't say this lightly because it's very difficult, but actually choosing um, to have and to hold is, is part of that. Maybe if we've been apart for long periods of time, again, that can be just put stress on, on our relationship and we have to choose um, to walk back into these things that we promise to each other. Let me read you another statistic. This was a study done in Taiwan, of all places, but got widely publicised in this country. I don't know if it did in Canada. Uh, so this is February 2013. Married life is one of the keys to healthy old age. Did that get publicised in Canada or overseas? Yet yeah, marriage is associated with better health, lower rates of injury, illness and longer life expectancy. So, see how important marriage is? No. <laughs> Second vow is for better for worse. We were once at a seminar just like this, 20 years ago I worked out, and a guy called Charles Simpson was speaking. And he said, you don't build a ship for the calm. You build a ship for the storm. And I trained as a civil engineer, graduated in civil engineering, became chief engineer. And one of my specialities as a, when I graduated was foundations. 
and I know how important foundations are for anything. And I know that's mixing the metaphors from ships to buildings, but ships need to be constructed for the storm. Houses and buildings need to have strong foundations, and exactly the same in married life. And one of, obviously, the key foundations is the Word of God. And Scripture tells us that marriage is a grace gift to all mankind from God. Now, you may say, why are we going through the basics? Because actually the basics are fundamentally important, and it's on this we rest, not on our feelings when a situation happens. Because we take hold of this by faith. Genesis 2 verse 18 says it's not good for man to be alone. Now, the important thing there is that's a pre-fall statement. That's not the result of sin. So when God said it's not good for man to be alone, it was not the result of sin. It was the result of creation wasn't completed yet. Do you get the difference? Because it's really important. Because we can look on that and say, oh, that's just a result of our fallen state. No, this is perfection. When God looked out on creation, he said, this is good. When he'd finished creation, especially man and woman, he said, this is very good. And so therefore marriage is part of the perfect world, the Garden of Eden, the kingdom of God that God created in the first place, totally unpolluted by sin. And he created it that marriage was for life, not just for the better. So this vow is for better, for worse. And marriage is for life, not just for better. And Kay and I, very early in our marriage, we looked each other in the eyes and we said, we are going to make divorce a non-option. Now for those who are younger, the power of choice is immense. Now, when the power of choice is mixed with faith and the word of God, then I believe it's unbeatable. So the power of choice by itself is immense, but when you mix it with the word of God and the wisdom of God and faith in God, I believe you've got the strongest foundation out there. And you start from the position when you enter marriage, divorce is a non-option. Therefore, God wants this to work. We want this to work. Marriage is not to be undermined by anybody. That's what Jesus said in his response to the Pharisees. Let no man separate what God's joined together. And therefore, collectively, not just with regard to your own marriage, but collectively, we want to encourage people to really celebrate and place a high value on marriage to be careful what comes out of our lips sadly we've heard conversations where people have said I hate all men because their marriage has been a disaster we have to find a way of honouring the gift that God's given us Okay. Now that's not denying that things can get hard and we'll get onto that in a second. But we want to affirm that this is a good gift that was designed to work, to be a blessing, and that's what it's meant to be. And we don't want anybody 
in the church to undermine what God Peter chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 he says this God has given us in his power everything we need for life and godliness now instead of life put marriage and for godliness put in marriage I believe there's a promise from God that in his grace and power he has given us everything we need for marriage and what will come even the unforeseen and for godliness in marriage that's the promise of God when I used to design buildings that were on sand we had to pile down to find the rock and it's amazing how secure you would feel and each one of these promises from God is like putting a pile down into the rock of God God has promised he will give me everything I need for my marriage and to have a godly marriage. He has promised me that marriage is good for me. He has said, let no man separate a couple that he's joined together. That includes the couple themselves or anybody else around them. And God's grace is there for us. And I want to... I just want to linger on that for a second because he's going to come up now. The Spirit is here to transform just mere words or even the way we're viewing our own marriage or even the way the world. And God wants to speak into our spirits. Marriage is good. The promise of God is to give you all the grace and power for your marriage to continue to be good and to be godly. And God wants it to succeed. So when we start piling those down to bedrock, then that gives us the structure, the foundation we need when a storm comes. Because I can guarantee you, storms will come. That's one of the promises of Jesus that nobody ever talks about. When he said, trials will come. You don't often get that preached on. But anyway, for richer, for poorer. Yeah, I guess um, when we hear for richer, for poorer, it's all relative, what we call poor and what we call rich. Um, and I know that all of us in the Western world, in terms of monetary things, we are rich. If you look at the rest of the world... Um, so just bearing that in mind as we, we look at this, um, just a few thoughts I had as I, I thought about this promise we made to each other when we got married, and I guess most of us in this room have made that or are about to make that, and that's why you're in this seminar probably. Um, when we leave and cleave, which is Genesis 2 that I read earlier, we might actually be leaving our parents' affluent lifestyle, and leaving and cleaving, as, as I understand it, means that you leave your parents, you joined to your spouse. And that doesn't mean you cut your parents off. We're now in the privileged position of having um, two married children and one almost married. And uh, it's just been a great joy to have that kind of new relationship with them as they've married. So certainly not cutting them off, but actually leaving and being joined to your partner um, as one flesh. 
Um, and I think there can perhaps be a real temptation if your parents are very affluent to have the expectation that you walk from that right into something that they may have worked 30 or 40 years for. Um, and it's probably not going to be like that. Um, and I think also there's a, perhaps a temptation in a, a time when maybe a marriage, in a marriage you're feeling poor. We all go through those times. You're feeling finances a bit tight. Things aren't quite how we would like them to be. Perhaps to run back to an affluent mum and dad. What I'm not saying is, you know, as, as parents, we really like to be generous with our kids. We do. We love it. And we, as Jeremy was saying this morning about giving money away, yes, that's, you know, it's, it's great to give to a special offering. But it's also, we love to bless our kids and their kids. But actually, as, as married couple, to run back to parents every time there's a crisis perhaps isn't leaving and cleaving, um, I would just suggest... I'd also say to any parents of any marriage here, just something we've thought about is actually, yes, it's good to be generous to them, but actually let's not protect our children from learning lessons with God that we've had to learn. just think that's really, really sensible. It's something, it's easy to think, oh, I'll step in and protect them. And then sometimes God has said to us, no, just leave it. Leave it with me. Let them learn the things that you've learned from me as well. Um, just on that as well, there can be expectations, just an assumption of lifestyle, especially in, again, I would say in the Western world that, you know, you move into this amazing house that's got everything in it. Um, and that can put real pressure on right from the honeymoon <laughs> if we're not careful. And yet only perhaps two weeks before we've made this promise that says for richer, for poorer, we're going to stay together, however it is. There's something really special about working together for things and making a home together rather than perhaps having it all um, at the beginning. I think our financial position obviously goes through different seasons. Um, It might be because we make choices. So it might be when children come along, if children come along, that a couple make a choice that the mum stays at home. Um, or even these days I know some dads stay, who stay at home because mum perhaps earns a bit more um, or they share and some of the couples in our ch- church are sharing that a little bit um, it might be a choice we make uh, like for ourselves that we kind of gave up certain careers in order to just follow what we felt was the calling of God for us on our lives um, and just being really honest there are times I look at our pension I think, whoa, if Tony had still been a chief engineer, we'd have perhaps been able to retire now and go on our yacht to the south of France. Those are the times when we think, oh, God. But as Tony said um, in just, just a few minutes ago, it is drawing on the grace of God and just knowing that actually marriage is good, we make choices together, and just drawing on what God has for us to get through those times when temptations come in our thought life, um, etc., um, there, are, there are also seasons, I believe, where it's not our choice. It wouldn't be our choice. Things are imposed on us. So it might be the illness or even death of a spouse um, where you may have made financial plans where they just perhaps don't work out as we, we wanted or things would never be the same again. Again, we've just learned over the years that it's at that, that point we really need to draw on God. We need to draw on him all the time. There can be a temptation, I think, when it just goes wrong. We think, oh, can't do it myself now. Let's go to God. No, we draw on him all the time. But those, at those times when it's difficult, there can just be that special thing with God. Uh, a very wise friend of ours once said to us um, something along these lines. He said, if we know our provider, we'll be, we can be secure and generous in what God has got for us. 
Um, and I just think that it's not, it's not, not a verse from Scripture. But I just think they're really wise words. So if we know God, we know him intimately, um, whether we're in a season of being rich or a season of being poor. We can be generous and um, feel very secure. The other just quick point on that is I think it's almost in the context of um, the, the to have and to hold. If we are one flesh, it's not a case of what's his is mine and what's mine is my own, which we hear people say that is actually what his is mine and what's mine is his, so that we share everything and there's a transparency. Um, and I really believe that, again, if, if we go through harder times, um, if we are together in it and it's interwo- we are interwoven, we're one flesh, then coming to God together in that, there's a real strength um, in that. So one of the challenges, especially new couples have, is the whole materialistic attitude in the world where you get today and pay for it sometime in the future. What that's done is just debt-ridden the UK and the West. Can I say resist the worldly pressures of materialism. Don't look at the Wonga uh, and think how wonderful they are. They've got two old dears telling you how easy it is to get into debt. And then you look at the percentage that they charge and it's in the thousands of percent. And you think they're not doing anybody any favours other than making themselves rich at your expense. Debt is one of the biggest enemies of marriages. So can I encourage, especially youngsters, live within your means. And if that means you don't have a new this and a new that, enjoy that period. Enjoy the period where you don't have Sky Sports. Okay? In fact, when you're young and fit, you can probably be finding other things to do, which I won't go into. Uh, You don't need Sky Sports. (laughs) Okay? But what we're trying to do here is lay some principles. I think Roger and Cheryl will give you more examples, but when Kay and I started our marriage, we didn't know what was going to come. But we could still lay some foundations and say to each other, we're never going to go back on this. These are the promises from God. These are our promises to each other. And whatever comes, whatever comes, it's on these promises from God and to each other that we stand. So for sickness and in health, very briefly, in the last 10 years, all four of our parents have died. We've had a suicide in the family. We've had a sibling and uh, a child have severe cancer. We've faced the most amazing challenges. And can I say, when you get into that, life seems a bit surreal. You go into a world where you're not quite connected with the real world. It all starts to happen in a bubble. But in that bubble, we found God met us. And people said, how are you in those situations? And we quoted Taylor Two Cities. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And you know what? The two can run side by side. Because it was the worst of times in experiencing loss, bereavement, pain. But it was the best of times in knowing the closeness of God, his amazing grace, and his love through every day. And we shed tears. And if you know me, I don't shed tears all the time. 
But I was even shedding tears at times that I didn't expect. Because that's the way grief takes you. And you give permission to grieve because actually I believe it's something natural this side of a new heaven and a new earth. God's given us that ability to grieve and to give permission and to love each other through it. But what we can stand here after 35 years and say God was with us every second. He made himself more intimate than ever when we needed him to be more intimate than ever. His grace was there. And that didn't take all the pain. And can I just say again, we have created, especially in the UK, a risk-averse and a pain-averse society. All pain is not bad. Can I say that again? All pain is not bad. Believe it or believe it not, I used to play a lot of sport. And I used to play a lot of cricket. And we used to do a lot of training. And I can assure you, after a day's training, I would ache. <laughs> and I would feel stiff. And there would be pain in it. And you've heard it said, no pain, no gain. Well, when training, that's true. If you're not pushing, you're not developing yourselves. But we've developed a society that if you experience pain, give up. There was local GPs on the TV recently saying they're getting inundated with people coming in with what they were calling silly things. And one GP said, this guy called in for an emergency call because he had a paper cut on his finger. Now, we're getting to the point that if pain is experienced in any part of our life, including marriage, we give up on it. No, no, no. That's the time when we find out whether the boat can go through the storm, not the time to go back to port. That's the time when you find out whether the foundations are really strong. So can I encourage you, don't be like the world. Don't say, if this is painful, therefore I give up or it must be wrong. Because of the pain that can be helpful. James said, treat trials and tribulations as if they're from God to develop us and bring us to maturity. He didn't say, try and hide from them all. Because God develops us through the very stresses. Now, he wouldn't wish these on anybody, but it's part of life. And these are the things that really strengthen us. So when the pain comes, we don't say, that's it, I'm off, I'm leaving, like the world does. What we say is, this is when I love my wife even more. Because we both need it, not just her. I'm going to finish with the last one, okay? Yours, because yeah, we've overrun. We've overrun, we'll pass on to Roger and Cheryl in a minute. Um, just to look at the last of the vows, which is to love and to cherish. Um, just want to start this. Some people up here quoted people like Keller and Terry Virgo and others, but I'm going to quote Anne Simpkins, our very own Anne. I do have her permission. Um, we were sitting in their caravan the other night talking about uh, the camp and people arriving, and Anne came out with the quote, and she said, Jeremy and I think that when we arrive and we start to put up our tent, we should swap husband and wife. I don't know whether you agree with that, but <laughs> we were talking about the fact that as people put tents up and they, you know, do these kind of things together, usually there are a few words exchanged. And I guess as you put your tent up, the words love and cherish were perhaps not on your lips. 
<laughs> maybe not. Maybe they were for some of you, but maybe not for others. Tony and I helped put up a gazebo, and uh, it was when he said, stand over there, and I stood over there. He said, no, I meant over there. That was um, the breaking point. Anyway. Yeah, he won't go into it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I, I was going to read a bit of 1 Corinthians 13, but I won't, because I want to pass on to these guys. But most of you would know it's a classic wedding passage. Um, and, you know, we often think of, of love and to use Jeremy's words this morning about the woolly and the squishy. It's not like that. It is sometimes a choice. Um, and sometimes we get up in the morning and we just don't feel that at all. And we sometimes do have to make that choice to love. But it is really important that we do. Ephesians 5, again, a classic wedding passage. in that passage there's a comparison of the same love that Christ has for the church and it compares it with the love a husband has for his wife I just encourage you to go and kind of reread that with fresh eyes because it's really powerful the fact that those two kinds of love are compared and also in that passage there's a mutual honour and respect um, which, which is really really important just to finish with cherish I did wonder if your name, Cheryl, comes from, I don't know. Um, The dictionary definition of cherish means to hold or treat as dear, to care for tenderly, Um, which again, that's just a really special thing between two people. The seasons when everything's wonderful and it's very easy to feel that love and do the cherishing, but there also can be seasons of stress, busyness, illness, etc., And just one thought I had on that is quite often, I think, if we're in those seasons, we can almost misplace our stress and anger onto our spouse rather than putting that in the place where it needs to be, maybe at work or whatever. Not that we do that in a wrong way, but we can we can feel because we feel secure with our partner. They're the ones that get the the short straw. And I just was, again, as I prepared this, really challenged to think about learning to leave things where they should be and then we get the the best of each other Um, in our sabbatical we had a sabbatical for three months last year and uh, one of my famous quotes I said I felt I got my husband back (laughs) because he's a busy guy and we do a lot of stuff and that's great and I'm not knocking that but there were just times where we didn't have any other responsibilities and um, we didn't kind of go through those times perhaps of where we do you know we we all do it I guess don't we where we maybe put that stress in the wrong place and I just felt we again just honoring God in that and seeking God for for help to get through that I'm going to pass on to these guys I did have a couple of more things to share but I'd like to pass pass on on. yeah can we just leave this picture in your mind Uh, the London Marathon everybody that finishes gets the medal and it's the desire of everybody that enters to finish. Can I just say, with marriage, it's not the finishing time that matters. You don't have to get a sub-three-hour marriage to say, we've done really well. The critical thing is, finish well. Finish well, folks. It's that that will honour God, because marriage is a model of his relationship with the church. It's a precious, precious gift that he's given us. Not only because it wasn't good for us to be lonely, but it models to the world his relationship with his church. 
And one of the things that is so crucial to model is he's committed forever. He's not going to walk out on a bad day. He's not going to go for divorce. He's committed and he's going to go for that finish line for the marathon. So folks, remember this. Tell anybody that's getting married and if you're new to marriage, you're in a marathon. And the aim is get the medal at the end. Don't cut out halfway through. Amen? Hello everyone. Okay, slight change of pace here. Um, I don't know if any of you were in the meeting this morning, but there was a, a song, a new song to me anyway, that said, Seasons Come and Seasons Go, something like that, but you remain the same. And uh, the key to understanding a good Christian marriage is that there's three of you in it, right? It's you, your partner, and God himself. And we forget that at our peril, I think. So just keep that in your heads because pretty much everything I'm going to say is undergirded by the fact that we, we're trying to understand Christian marriage. Okay. Can everyone hear me okay? In the back? Okay. Um, okay, so in Ecclesiastes 3, it's, it's that whole section where it says a time to do this, a time to do that, time to do the other. Um, for example, a time to give birth and a time to die. And they're all opposites. And uh, in verse 11, it says, He has made everything, he has made everything appropriate in its time. And uh, I think that's a real key there to understanding some of the seasons that we go through, that God has made everything appropriate in its time. So it's him that's done it, and it's appropriate to whatever it is that we're going through at the time. Um, and I want to just give a, a very, very broad generalization of some of the major seasons um, that we, a lot of us will go through in our lives if we're married. It is a generalization. There are all kinds of marriages nowadays you know, kids coming in from perhaps um, someone that's been married before. So, you know, when taking all of that into consideration but usually and very often you have like a courting period and early marriage and I kind of lump those together as the first season it's usually a really exciting time it's often a very fun time um, it's also usually a very challenging time as two people grow together to become one engraved on my wedding ring I've got two shall become one and um, and that's quite hard, actually, because usually you're both really, really different. And so becoming one is usually really, really hard. Oh, I've just seen one of my kids here. <laughs> oh, no. So I've got to try now and be very full of integrity. <laughs> oh, and some people from my church as well. <clears throat> so um, it, it, it also actually can be a very tiring time when you're maybe not when you're courting, <clears throat> but when you're first married, for many different reasons, it can be a tiring time, not the least of which usually you both hold down full-time jobs. And so, you know, getting home, you often get home late, you have meals to prepare, 
if you're in church, you'll sometimes have a meeting to go out to, and life actually can be really, really full. So it's sort of exciting, stroke, challenging, stroke, tiring. I would say that's roughly um, the first season. And then you get, um, I think you quite often, and depending how quickly you want to do this, will get into pregnancy and babies and young children. I think that also is very exciting and tiring and challenging for different reasons. <laughs> and so there are some common threads that we're already beginning to see. Um, I remember massively Roger and I never finishing a conversation, not even finishing a sentence for years, <laughs> Actually, years sitting at the table and trying to talk to one another. And, you know, one or other of the children, we had our children quite close together, interrupting us, wanting to know something, having spilt something, having dropped something, the dog had eaten it, all this kind of stuff, and you never get a, a sentence finished. So actually trying to have deep, meaningful conversations for us personally was quite difficult and challenging. Probably still is, actually. <laughs> and there's no excuse for children. Um, also in that time, you, you will often get a change in work patterns because quite often one or other of you will give up your secular employment, um, maybe to stay at home with the children. That, again, is a massive change. Can, particularly in our Western society, lead to some loss of identity. For some women, struggle hugely with that. They may have had a responsible job and then feel they're just at home with the children. That's something I really try to help young wives and friends with because it's not just staying at home. It's one of the most fantastic and important jobs that any woman or man can have is to look after and raise their children in godly ways. Then I think you normally, the next season I would say you go through is like, you know, later childhood and teenage years. Again, hugely challenging. I mean, teenagers... I found that really, really chal a challenging period of, of time because your children seem to change f from these lovely, malleable people, fairly malleable, to people beginning to be people with their own minds, their own ways of doing things. And quite often they don't gel with the way you want things done or things you think are important. And particularly in terms of being a Christian, if there's any decisions not to go to church or, um, you know, to get involved in all sorts of different things, as a Christian parent, husbands and wives can find that very, very difficult. And it can come into your marriage because of the difficulties that that brings. So I think that can be a very challenging time. Um, sometimes in the teenage years... Um, Again, there's a change in work pattern. So often it's a, it's a different season because maybe um, if you've been a wife at home, you might go back to work, possibly part-time or full-time. So again, it's another change. Um, then you, you might get into university years with your kids or at least them starting work, going off into training. Possibly, I think, maybe quieter years often for a husband and wife. And maybe you re-engage a bit more in, during that time. Then I think, <laughs> then I think almost, yes, definitely another season is when they fly the nest and you have to let them go 
they might get married and fly the nest that way or they might just move away for whatever reason but whatever it is you're letting them go you don't ever stop being a parent but it's almost like that bit of your job to a degree is done and that brings its own challenges letting go of your children brings its own challenges um, and but the interesting thing is that quite often if your kids are married and then they have kids you become grandparents that's another season and that's a really great season, exciting season, a fun season, another tiring and challenging season. As, as a husband and wife together, you perhaps have some responsibility with little people, but they are no longer your little people. They are a generation removed. They're your grandkids. You don't have quite the same authority or responsibility. And that in itself is challenging. So we have to be careful during that season. So I think there's some common threads in all these seasons. Oh, sorry, one last season. As you get older, obviously, there then comes the possibility of losing your partner. That, I think, we've not faced that, but we, we know peop many people that have, and that is really challenging. The person that you love perhaps the most in the world is no longer with you, and that's got... That's where you have to understand, don't you, that it was yourself, your partner, and the Lord. That's, that's where that will come in hugely to help. Um, so common threads. I would say change is a common thread in all of that. I would say challenge is a common thread. And I would say both of those things are constant. So don't ever think that the season you're in is like it. It's always going to change. That's a constant thing. Um, so back to Ecclesiastes 3.11 again who is it that's orchestrated all this well it's, it's God now if it's God that's orchestrated it if we jump into the New Testament something like Romans 8 where, where we understand that it's God that's working all things together for good we can begin to cope with some of the hardships and the challenges during those different seasons and I think that we have to learn to be content in whichever season we find ourselves. It's very easy for us to envy other people in a different season. If only I were younger, that, you know, and my health was better, blah, 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 you know, or if only I didn't have kids, then we'd be able to have a good conversation. And, and we have to be careful of that because we are in this season for this time and it's not going to be repeated so you know you might as well enjoy the ride of that season while you're in it and um, I know for Roger and I I would say we've we've learned in three particular ways one is from God's word constantly coming back to that as a real foundational part of our marriage one is learning from one another and the third way is learning from other people. And only this morning I was uh, talking to someone after the meeting and she was, uh, she was talking about being a grandparent and she gave me a really great piece of advice. And I said, oh, thank you so much. That's, you know, I really respect that. That's really helped me. So learn from others, people that you respect, um, people that have got integrity, but learn from them. Like, be a lifelong learner. 
it's, uh, it's a great thing. So don't envy those in other seasons. If you can, learn from them, but don't envy them. But um, every season will have its own challenges and its own joys. So you just need to go with the flow, really. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Right. Um, a few years ago, uh, Cheryl and I were walking in the gardens of a castle down in Kent, and we had with us some very dear friends, Mexican couple, and about halfway through the walk, this, the Mexican lady, Floor, just burst out laughing. And uh, I, I said, what's funny? I hadn't told a joke, and you know, people don't normally laugh at my jokes anyway. But she burst out laughing, and... Uh, and she said, it's the weather, this English weather. She said, it's been sunny, it's been cold, it's been warm, it's been wet, and it's all happened in a day. And I think that is true about when you approach these seasons in marriage. There's a way of looking at it, which Cheryl's just done, which is more a chronological way of working through some stuff. But the reality is that actually marriage, all four seasons can hit, if you think of summer, winter, spring and autumn, all four seasons can hit in one day. You know, and, and, and that's just the reality of life, that actually you as a couple can be going through, let's call it a summer time, when everything seems rosy in the garden, things are working well, and everything's, you know, just on course. And then you can have a phone call, or you can have news of something, it could be redundancy, it could be bereavement, it could be illness, it could be all sorts of things, and suddenly you're kind of plunged from summer into winter. That happens. I know for Cheryl and I, that when uh, we were just starting, trying to start a family, we had all the joys of expectations of that. You could call that a spring moment, okay? And we did the stuff that you need to do to try and start a family, and it seemed to work. Cheryl got pregnant. And we thought, well, this is quite straightforward, really. And, 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 and you know, first time of trying. And, and, and it was all going according to plan until that time when, you know, Cheryl began to bleed and, and suddenly we, we encountered miscarriage. And in the midst of it is, a, you know, just the reality of a, a, of a winter moment coming in. And then... That was then the start of a few years for us where we had another miscarriage and suddenly something that had such expectation was suddenly hit by a winter storm. I'm going to try and do this in about seven minutes. I'm going to just name each season and I'm going to just say one key word, okay, and I just want to encourage you in a couple of things on that. The first thing, summer seasons, okay, let's describe that as when things are going well, when you're enjoying one another, there's a sense of fulfillment, uh, things seem to be growing well. Key response is this, enjoy it. Okay, enjoy those times. Okay, we live busy lives, life rushes by, we have a temptation to always live for the next thing, and also, as Scott said yesterday, we have a life that is surrounded by gadgetry and electronics that disengage us from the enjoyment of the moment. Enjoy the moment. Make the most of it. Okay? Summer moments, enjoy it. Don't feel guilty about them. Just make the most of them and press into them with joy. 
Winter, if you take the other opposite, winter is a time where things can get cold, uh, where hard frost, wintry gales, stormy, all sorts of stormy conditions can happen. You know, it, winter is the challenging time. It isn't only a thing that happens to us. Sometimes we can create it ourselves. Have you ever had that experience of waking up in bed next to your partner and you're just feeling good about life? You think it's going to be a good day. We've got the day off together. And you've got your plans of what you're going to do on that day off. And you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and you're going to, yep, and this is my day planned. And then you begin to communicate that with your partner and find that she's got very different plans that don't quite fit together. Okay? And suddenly a lovely warm, sunny feeling can quickly turn to a little icy, wintry feeling as you suddenly realize, hey, we are on different pages together. And kind of, you know, we can create our own winters and our own kind of wintry storms. And we've got to learn a, how to overcome that, but also how to bring warmth into uh, the reality of winter times. First thing, uh, just the key thing, one word, I want to really land on this is protect. Above all else, protect your marriage. Because the danger is that in winter, you can just think about yourself first. Okay, you feel challenged, you feel cold, you feel, you kind of see people in winter, don't you? I mean, I've got folks from Canada here, and you put big coats on, and you go in yourself, and you just want to get out of the cold as quickly as possible. And you can just think about your own needs and what you're struggling with. And the vital thing, I think, is to keep the marriage and the relationship, and this is exactly what Tony and Carol have been really emphasizing, Keep the relationship the precious thing. It's not just your own need. And we've got to think, you know, we live in a very self-based society that puts number one first. We've got to think together first. What is good for this marriage? And, uh, and as in winter, some plants, some even trees that need... In Canada, they wrap some of their trees up in sacking to protect them in the winter to keep that harsh winter, uh, those harsh winter conditions off. It's crucial uh, that we learn how to protect. And one of those ways we do that is by making the right choice of doing what's good for the partner and also not wrongly depending on feelings. Love, Love is more than feelings. I know you know this, but it's crucial we say it again. Okay, love is rooted in a choice. There is a difference between being in love and learning to love. And it's often in the winter times you are learning to love one another and you're taking those deliberate choices. Okay. Spring. I, I think spring does speak about new things, that sense of expectation, that excitement, and it could be all sorts of things, okay? Uh, small things, big things, life-changing things. Uh, it, can I just say this? Let's not get stale in our marriage. Not let, let's not just think of spring just being for the young ones. We've got a few oldies here, right? That's, and uh, uh, older folks, 
let's keep spring in the marriage. Okay? Let's do things that initiate fresh love to one another. Now, that may change with age in terms of what that looks like, but let's do it. Let's keep a spring factor to our marriage. And also, you younger ones, kind of don't, don't, don't go old before your time. <laughs> okay. Keep fresh. Keep your marriages fresh, okay? You know, there's a few nudges going on here. It, it's so important we do this because even as a young married couple, as has already been said, you can get very tired and very weary and life is busy. It's more complicated. It's more complex these days, okay? And the important thing is how to inject kind of spring, fresh initiative, fresh giving of yourselves to one another. Learn to, to, learn to know what does each other good. Okay, it's a good question. Do you know, okay, men, do you know what does your partner, your wife, good? Okay, don't have to answer out loud. But, okay, if you don't, don't guess it, okay? If you don't, ask, okay? Ladies, do you know what does your men good? Well, of course you do. It's the same for all men. Okay. Okay. I mean, okay, I'll say if no one else is sex. Okay, but no, no, I mean, we're, we're very simple folks. Listen, but no, seriously, no. Let, let, let's give yourselves to what does you good. Learn, okay? Learn to, 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 to bring spring into the marriage, okay? Does that make sense in the in sense of initiate? Things to one another. It could be affection. It could be time. It could be even just getting some jobs done around the house that you've been promising to do. And I'm not looking at Cheryl. It might just making time to talk. It may be going out for a coffee. It might be just sharing a nice meal together. It might be watching a film together. It's going to be different for every single one of you. That's why we've not given a do this, do this, do this. It's going to be different for all of you. But know what works with your partner. And then lastly, autumn. Autumn is a time of change. You know, things do die off and in autumn. And I think we need to learn how to handle these times. And the one word I've underlined there is grace. We need grace for change. If we don't have grace, we can hold on to things in the past in the wrong way. In fact, I've just been here. I've just read through Isaiah and just got to that phrase, don't dwell on the former things. And it's important we don't live in the past, but we embrace what God is doing now, and embrace what's just happening with our partners. We do change. Our, our bodies change. You know, you know, for some of us, you know, we keep our youth. But, but listen, these bodies, these bodies now, sometimes, as you get older, can't quite do the things they did when they were younger. And, you know, I, there's a dignity to kind of accepting, you know, that actually my body's not, not, not as fit as it used to be. You know, or, or there can be other ways in which we go through changes in life. Don't just dwell in the past, but find grace for the time. I really believe that the grace of God, you've heard it again and again, just over the last two days, or the last day. 
I believe the grace of God is sufficient for all of our needs. And I believe that marriage is a prime setting where we need to find grace. You know, and, it, and we need to find it for the different seasons that we work through together. So dig deep into the grace of God. And in autumn, when things change, and actually it is preparing the ground for fresh things, actually. And there's fresh things God's got for us. But, but, but learn, uh, don't hold on to the past, but embrace what God is doing in the present. Okay.